Welcome to the Immigration Hour on Election Day here in the South, in Georgia, which is the home uh, to one of the most contested elections uh, going on in America today for governor. Uh, that has immigration consequences, of course, uh, given the players that have been here. Uh, but let's chit-chat about what's been going on. Immigration law, President Trump has decided that immigration law is more important than the economy. Immigration law is more important than uh, health care. Immigration law is more important than infrastructure. Uh, immigration law is more important than the Mueller investigation. Immigration is the most important America today. Who'd have thunk it? Um, because I thought that Trump was going to make America Trump again. Uh, but apparently he decided that uh, he's going to make it un-Trump again, and he's going to spotlight how ineffective he has been for the last two years. Do you realize that's what he's saying, right? He's saying, I have been so ineffective as president on immigration law that I have no control over the borders. Now, that, of course, is a lie, uh, but ev virtually everything out of his mouth is a lie. So we, we just have to judge the lieness that whether it's closer to the truth or closer to actually being a full lie or kind of somewhere in the lying scale between 9 and 10. So it's probably a 9 lie. Um, don't comment from the peanut gallery on that, okay? No, he can comment all he wants. Uh, so Trump is complaining that a caravan of uh, women and children wearing flip-flops that are walking uh, uh, 800 miles from the border are somehow such a threat to the United States that he has to call out 15,000 troops to put barbed wire along the river and tops of ports of entry because this is going to be like a scene from uh, World War Z uh, as they come storming over the barricade into the 50-foot walls around, uh, around Jerusalem. Uh, it, it's it's really insane when you think when you actually put your brain in gear and think about it. It's really one of the most remarkable displays of uh, political fear mongering that I've seen in my entire lifetime. Uh, it, it's remarkable. Uh, it's stunning. And what's what's sad is that people believe it. People believe it. Why why would you believe this? Well, first of all, why would you believe a single word Donald Trump ever says? Because he literally lies at a faster pace than most of, most of us actually breathe. Uh, and so now you have a caravan of people, uh, apparently, that was organized by Hillary and George Soros, handing out $100 bills in Honduras to help people get across the Mexican-Guatemala uh, 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 border after they traversed Guatemala to come to America to... Do what exactly? What's, what's, what exactly are they supposed to be doing? A little unclear what that is, uh, but I imagine at some point we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. Uh, and at this point, the caravan that, that left Honduras was numbered supposedly somewhere around five to 7,000. Uh, Mexico, uh, once they entered Mexico, has offered to every single member of the caravan uh, work permit, ability to resettle, uh, and asylum, just like that. And that, and that part of that is because uh, they are paying, uh, uh, getting paid by the Trump administration to do that. I mean, Trump is funneling money down there through the for the DHS, uh, and there, you know, they, Mexico also has a massive switch in presidency on December one. So this last guy I guess is trying to go out in a blaze of glory. 
so the caravan is now down. They've reached Mexico City, which is still about 800 miles from the closest point to the United States. If they decide to go towards uh, Texas as opposed to California, California would be more than 1,500 miles away. Uh, they have been walking, and it's down to about 1,500 people. You know, the problem in America, one of the many of the problems in America is we don't remember the recent past. If you think back to the spring, there was another caravan that was walking to the United States that Trump was whining and moaning about. And uh, that ended up being uh, f- uh, 14 people applying for asylum at the port of entry. Uh, now, what you are seeing has been very interesting. And I will give the Trump administration uh, credit for being accurate about this only because the statistics are necessarily accurate. Um, they were complaining that last year, a thousand people a day were coming to the U.S. and being detained. So if you do the math, that's about 365,000 people, more or less. Um, and uh, they were complaining, oh my God, they're flooding in. And what you don't realize is is during the early years of the Bush administration, that they were catching 3 million people a year coming in. So we're literally talking about somewhere close to a tenth of the number of people coming illegally to the United States today uh, than than were coming uh, no less than 20 years ago to the United States. Uh, Part of the reason for that, of course, is demographics. Back in the 2000s, early 2000s, the vast majority of people were, were from Mexico. Now there are very few Mexicans coming across the border illegally. Most of them are from Central America. Uh, and they are coming uh, typically as either family units or moms with kids or dads with kids. And there is an agreement in place signed by the government more than 20 years ago uh, that kids cannot be kept in detention with their parents longer than 20 days. It's called the Flores Settlement. The Bush-Trump administration is trying to um, change that settlement by publishing regulations. Unclear where that will go. There's, of course, pending lawsuits on that issue. Uh, and what, what we have as a result of this is people knowing that if they come to the United States and apply for asylum, uh, they are <coughs> required to be brought in to allow to apply for asylum. Now, this is freaking uh, the administration out because they don't have detention space to detain 1,000 people a day, and let's say a third of them are kids. They don't have detention space, so they're forced to uh, put them on ankle monitors, which, by the way, does ensure people show up for court um, and is far cheaper than detaining somebody. Uh, And they are, at the same time, having to process them quickly. And So we have people that have come to my office recently that haven't even been given a credible fear interview. They were just literally released and told to go apply for asylum in the United States. Uh, without the specific instruction that you have only one year to apply. So let's, let's look at the numbers here. And this is, this is going to require kind of a broader thought process than, than, than people, especially those who don't know immigration and how it works, might, not normally, might, might normally apply to the process. So we have the initial, ins- what we call the inspection process. When you show up at a port of entry, you're applying for admission to the United States. If you don't have valid documents, you have a legal right under, uh, under the law, under 8 CFR uh, 208, to apply for asylum. And we have an international treaty obligation to accept that. So when Trump says we're not going to let people apply for asylum, that's, I mean, that's illegal. He can't do that. He's not going to do that. 
Uh, it's true even if you come across the border at a non-entry point and you are caught, you still have a legal right to apply for asylum. Now, we have, Congress did about 15 years ago, restrict that right in a certain sense in that to apply for asylum, that is the internationally recognized non-refoulement provisions, you have to apply within one year of your entry to the United States or admission to the United States. CDP does a terrible job of telling people they have one year to apply. All right, And people don't understand that that's the rule. So you apply and they say, okay, we're going we're gonna to let you apply for asylum. Since you don't have valid papers to enter the country, we're going to stick you in this processing center. Now, they might be one of the lucky few or the unlucky few that actually they have bed space for. And at that point, the case then switches. The moment they are put in a processing center, they move from CBP, Customs and Border Protection, to ICE. Now ICE has their custody. ICE is the both the detention and deportation part, what's called DRO, or Detention Removal Operations, part of Homeland Security. They then initiate, well, CBP, before they give them to ICE, creates what's called a notice to appear. This is a document uh, for that person to be to be go in front of a judge. Now, the creation of that document by CBP or by ICE doesn't actually put somebody into deportation. What puts somebody into deportation is that ICE or CBP takes that notice to appear and gives it to the immigration court now, the Immigration Court is part of the EOIR, the Executive Office of Immigration Review. And EOIR then accepts that document and schedules what's called a master hearing date. Now, once EOIR receives the notice to appear from ICE or from CBP, they are then responsible for scheduling a court date at the address that person is given. So if that person is in a detention center, there is likely a judge at the detention center. Those cases are generally processed within a matter of weeks for an initial hearing, three to four weeks while that person is detained. If that person is released, there becomes a problem. The detention centers and the courts and detention centers process a huge number of people through the removal proceeding process. Um, but if they're released, as many of them now are released, that file then has to go to a different EOIR office. Now, we're going to take a break here and come back. We're going to talk some more about what the EOIR's part in this is and where there continues to be a growing backlog. We'll be back in a second on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. You- Thanks for the surprise. You know, we're back. It just sneaks up on us. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 
Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. Si usted ha casado con un si usted ha casado con un ciudadano, o tiene problemas con inmigración, o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the America's Broadcast Network. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Welcome back. Little mix up on the board today. We apologize for that. Uh, we got the new guy helping us. David can't see for some reason today. We miss David. Uh, we love having him here. Um, so we were talking about the immigration court process. So ICE or CBP gives the notice to appear to the immigration court. Well, now we have a bigger problem. Uh, so first of all, the numbers that are coming in, CBP, which back in the early 2000s had 5,000 employees, Border Patrol agents, that now has 20,000, is easily capable of handling the numbers. They, they can do it. Um, certainly don't need the military to help them do that. Of course, and, of course, the military can't help them do that because the military can't enforce U.S. law uh, within the borders of the United States. Uh, so now you have a court process. Well, here's your big problem. Under the Trump administration, The backlog in the immigration court process has gone from around 600,000 to around 800,000 cases. And even though uh, Sessions is hiring as many government lawyers as he can to become judges uh, with no real-world experience in immigration law, um, the, uh, uh, the court backlog continues to grow exponentially. So now it's taking up to two years for the immigration court to schedule a hearing on the person who presented themselves at the port of entry or who came across illegally and turned themselves into the first officer that they appeared in front of them to apply for asylum. So yesterday, a woman came to my office. She has a hearing coming up next month, and she said, I want to apply for asylum. And I said, well, I'm sorry, you can't. You came in two years ago. She says, well, I didn't know that I had to apply within a year. And I said, well, sorry. Uh, you know, as, as they say in the law, ignorance is not a defense. She can still apply for some relief called with what's called withholding of removal, but it doesn't have the same benefits that applying for asylum uh, would if you were granted the particular relief. So now you have a, an increasing backlog in the immigration courts. The backlog is getting so bad, particularly on the southern border, that uh, Sessions, who runs the Department of Justice and the immigration courts, is one, publishing decisions to make it impossible to win asylum in many cases. And yes, the Attorney General has the power to issue singular decisions reshaping immigration law, which is one of the many reasons we need to get the rid of, we'd love to get rid of Jeff Sessions. Wednesday, I believe he's getting fired. I think that's the day that Trump announced he's getting fired on Wednesday. We can all hope for that. Um, and we have uh, uh, the courts themselves literally assigning judges from places like Atlanta or Maryland or Iowa to go to the border. So now the interior immigration courts are backlogged even further because their cases have to be put off to further outdates. It's a remarkable uh, display of incompetence in immigration enforcement. 
Uh, there is, of course, way better ways to do this, uh, most of which start with Congress fixing the laws. So we're not deporting the right people. We're just uh, wrong people. We're just deporting the right people. So the numbers are coming in. Now Trump says this year, uh, in the last couple of months, the numbers are averaging 1,400 people a day applying for asylum. So while Trump is talking about not welcoming immigrants, shutting down legal immigration, making asylum harder, more people are applying for asylum. So you have to wonder, if so many people, if, if the increasing numbers are coming in, uh, are they coming for economic reasons? Maybe. Because, again, we, have a, we do have a booming economy, which Trump does not want to talk about for some reason during the election, um, in which there are over a million more jobs than there are people, particularly jobs that are difficult and Americans don't necessarily want to do, and compound that with the violence that is increasing in Central America because we do continue to deport bad hombres to Central America whose countries now in many parts, are literally controlled by gangs. Uh, This idea that there are democracies in El Salvador and Guatemala and Honduras, uh, it fails to understand the impact of corruption and fear uh, that is created by the gangs that started in the United States and which we deported to that part of the world. Now, keep in mind that part of the world's had lots of violence, We've had lots of involvement in that violence over the years. So here you have the increasing numbers of people fleeing the violence of Central America. You have Trump threatening to withdraw aid from those countries if they don't stop the flow of desperate migrants. And yet it is that aid that is stopping even larger numbers from coming to the United States. So this woman who came to see me yesterday, I always ask people, because I want to know as their lawyer, why did you leave? She said, well, um, she came two years ago in October, uh, uh, on October 6th. She arrived in the United States. She said in, in – and uh, she walked from, from, from Honduras uh, – from, from El Salvador. I'm sorry. And um, I said, what happens? Well, I owned a store in a small neighborhood uh, in a, in a, in a decent-sized city. Uh, and uh, in early August, they came to me and said uh, that I needed to pay rent to them. And, I, and she said, I said, what rent? He said, well, rent for staying open and being alive. Uh, and the rent they wanted was was more than I made. I, don't, I literally didn't have the money. And so I told them I literally have no money to pay you. I, I can't live. And they said, well, we'll make it easier to live. We'll kill your, you'll kill your baby. How old is your baby? Four? Okay, we'll kill your baby. That will give you money to pay us. Uh, she left the next day. So here's my question. What would you do? What would you do? Oh, I'd go to the police. Oh, you mean the police that will literally turn the report over to the gang members. That police? Uh, Yeah. So you're not going to go to the police uh, because you can't trust the police. So what are you going to do? Well, I'll move to a different part of Honduras and do what? Or El Salvador and do what? It's not like Honduras is the United States where where you can move to Montana and live in the boonies and the trees. Nobody knows where you are. This is a small country. It's like New Jersey. Well, it's about half the size of New Jersey. Um... If they want to find you, they'll find you. And so this is what's causing that type of gang activity. Or uh, the other, cl- other clients that I've had would say, we need your daughter, my, your teenage daughter. What do you need your teenage daughter for? Well, she's going to be my, she's going to be my girlfriend. Um, what would you do? You'd run. You, you'd find any – even if it meant being detained in a tent city on the border, you would run because you know you've got more time to live.
if you do that way, and you have a chance of asylum. Now, again, Trump, uh, Trump and Sessions have cut down on the ability of those folks to win asylum, especially in a place like Atlanta where the approval rate for asylum is up nearing about 1%. Uh, but you still have a chance, and it's a chance people, people will pursue that chance. Uh, so, so you have this the, the slightly increasing numbers of the border, which would say that we'll have an additional, maybe we'll have, instead of uh, of three hundred and fifty thousand this year, we'll have a half a million people that come into the country, most of whom are seeking asylum. Um, nowhere near the numbers of the early two thousands. But this is what it means for the need to have immigration. If we're already enforcing the border <coughs> to its max. The wall's not going to stop people from walking up to the port of entry. We can't stop that. We have international treaty obligations. So short of withdrawing from an international refugee treaty, which was created after World War II because of what happened to the Jews, short of doing that, we're not, and, and, and no way morally we should do that, um, we have to find a better way. Uh, and yet you have a president who wants to build a wall that will not change or reduce the number of undocumented immigrants in America or those coming, because walls don't stop people from from entering or leaving, uh, ask the folks in East Berlin. Um, But what they do do is send the message that uh, we become more isolationist as a country, uh, and rather than trading with you, rather than working with you, rather than improving you and improving us at the same time, we're going to become more insular. I think most Americans are rejecting that today at the polls. But that's the message that's sent. So what really needs to happen, if in fact there are is going to be a switch in control in Congress, at least one of the houses, leadership requires from the Democrats that they immediately propose a, a workable immigration bill. And honestly, it should include the wall. Put the wall in. If they want to spend $25 billion for a wall, you can take it from some other pet project of, of Trump's uh, and build the wall. And in return, we're going to have a, a formal immigration rewrite, uh, which can be done in six months max. This is not that hard to do, uh, where we refocus our immigration laws on uh, improving the American economy, continue to attract the best and the brightest, living up to our international refugee obligations as the size of our country would dictate, and making sure the flow of immigrants helps both us and those that want to come to the United States. Uh, There shouldn't be 100-year waits for green cards for Indians. That's ridiculous. There shouldn't be 25-year waits to bring your siblings to the United States if you want to do that. Um, We are big enough and powerful enough and good enough to absorb the immigrants that want to come here. It is a mistaken idea among many people that the whole world will come to America. And that's not true. That's not true. America has always attracted the risk takers. It has attracted those who want a better life. It has not attracted those who are lazy. It has not attracted those who want to live off the public dole. It has not attracted those who are seeking a handout. It has always attracted those in, in everybody's immigrant story, that are seeking a better life for them and their family. And we have all been provided that. Uh, so as we, as we consider our votes today, as we, as we look forward as a result of this election, I think what needs to happen uh, is that if the Democrats get control of the House, they need to immediately propose a bill that will build a wall, 
people, my friends will say, well, you're nuts. Grant, green, green, green card process to dreamers. Green card process to TPS people. Eliminate the per-country limits uh, so there aren't any 50-year backlogs for specific countries. And look at increasing levels of immigration through employment and work and investment through ways that, that really bring to us those that want to continue to enhance America uh, and continue to help us lead the world through a, a democracy and a republic that will allow us to move into a yet another American century. Uh, we are facing uh, worldwide geopolitical foes that foment at the mouth. They're so happy to see Trump becoming insular. They're so happy to have openings to them in Canada, in Mexico, in Central America, in South America, where we abandon a hundred and uh, two hundred years of uh, of doctrine of protecting our own hemisphere and being part of the leadership of that and letting them come in and camp on our own doorsteps. It is a wildly foolhardy and foolish uh, policy that ignores the power of immigration. You know, all my listeners know I frequently go to Peru. I'm going to Peru next week, uh, this Friday, for a week. So no show next week. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Um, And... I talk to people, and there are not every, not every people I talk to. I want to come to America. Most of them don't want to come to America, but the people I talk to say, "I have an idea for a business I want to start in America. I have an idea uh, for an investment I want to do in America. I want to bring my goods to America. Uh, I love my country. I love what's happening here. But I see a more opportunity to increase both the economy of my country than that of the U.S. I talk to those people all day long, and. That is the kind of America that we want to have. That is the kind of America we need to have, and that is the kind of America we don't have. Um, and so, you know, as we, as we think about today, about our votes, about the process, about what's happening at the border, we have to really focus on what we now expect from our political leadership. I believe divided leadership in Congress is good. I think it will force more reconciliation to get stuff done. Uh, I think it also brings home a greater threat to 2020. And if I think Americans would love to see a Democratic House and a Republican Senate work together to solve American problems and to lead us forward and even shut down the president when necessary in order to make sure that our country progresses. Let's take a let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net. Soy Charles Cook, abogado. 
y jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Llámenos hoy si usted tiene problemas con inmigración, si ha sido arrestado, si se casó con un ciudadano o tiene una oferta de trabajo. Nosotros le podemos ayudar. También podemos explicar cómo, qué puedes hacer para recibir los beneficios de inmigración. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, 404-816-8611, o visítenos por el Internet al www.immigration.net. Soy Charles Cook, del bufete de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Si usted tiene Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, America! America's Web Radio. Um, so, last week, Trump gave uh, a extraordinarily uh, fact-free speech from the White House, a campaign speech from the White House, wildly unacceptable, um, and yet no one in the GOP complained about it. If Obama had done this, uh, I think uh, members of the GOP would literally be lying in the streets just screaming their eyeballs out, saying what a terrible human being he was. Uh, and yet they allow Trump to uh, desecrate the White House uh, like this. But let's, I want to go through some of this speech uh, uh, and point out the wild falsehoods uh, because I think it's important to confront people who lie with actual facts. Uh, and those, and I actually, I got to tell you, remember the last election in 2016 uh, on Facebook, there was so much garbage that people put up. Now, maybe, I, and I haven't seen hardly any of that this time. Now, maybe it's because all of my conservative friends have unfriended me. That's possible. And they're the ones that are putting all the crazy butt stuff up. Uh, but I think Facebook's done a pretty good job of shutting down a lot of the looniness that's out there and the made-up crap. Uh, but that doesn't stop the president from promoting falsehood. So let's look at the first one. So the president said this, quote, We're not letting them into our country, talking about the caravan. And then they never show up. Almost, it's like a level of 3%. They never show up for the trial. So by the time their trial comes, they're gone. Nobody knows where they are, close quote. On the falsometer, that would be 100 on a scale of 1 to 10, on the falsometer. Uh, so he's talking about migrants uh, that show up for immigration court proceedings. Data from the Justice Department shows that most immigrants do, in fact, show up to their court hearings. Now let's look at the numbers. In fiscal year 2017, uh, which was... Uh, really only part of Trump's time uh, because he became president in January, uh, 28% of immigrants failed to attend their court hearings, not 97% as Trump estimated. And that was, I mean, that included people that may have been in proceedings for 10 years. I mean, it's, it's 23%. That's high, all right? But it's not most. It's not even some. It's 28%. Um, but here's the better thing. Most of the people that are apprehended at the border are seeking asylum. Among asylum seekers, only 11% did not show up for legal proceedings. Now, get this. This is even better. Of the asylum seekers that participated in a pilot program tested as an alternative to detention, 99% attended their check-ins and appointments, and 100% showed up for court. Whoa. Well, what happened with that program? Oh, Trump ended that in June. So wait a second. Trump is complaining that some immigrants don't show up for their court hearings, but a program which ensured they showed up that was in detention to a 100% rate for court hearings 
he ended? Hmm. That's that's strange. Um, so here's Trump said this. So, I mean, so lots, that's a massive lie. All right. So what Trump said, we can't get any Democrat votes to change them. It's only the republics that are in you. See, if you call somebody a Democrat, it's not the Democratic Party, right? It's the Democrat Party. I think you call it the Republic Party. It's the republics. We'll just call them republics. Okay. <laughs> they are in unison. They want to change them. They want to make strong borders. That's kind of wildly misleading. Uh, citing immigration laws that he said are, quote, so bad, Trump accused Democrats of causing overhaul legislation to fizzle in Congress. Left unsaid was the disarray among the Republican Party that contributed to the bills of mind. Remember, the Republicans control the House and the Senate. They control the whole thing. They can pass whatever bill they want to, right? In February of this year, Trump moved to rescind protections for DREAMers. All right. The Senate rejected three immigration proposals. So the Senate, including now sycophant Lindsey Graham, who at the time was sponsoring this legislation, said, we got a deal from the president. Remember the whole thing in the White House? Yes, you give me a bill and I'll sign it. I mean, he said that, right, on TV. And now it's as if in an alternate universe, let's call it bizarro world, that didn't happen. Uh, Fourteen Republican senators voted against the bill the White House wanted, which would have eliminated legal immigration to America, okay, by 50%. Fourteen Republican senators voted against that. Uh, and I think, by the way, all of them will win re-election. Uh, they're all, oh, they're all still there, so they're not going away. Um, after the public outcry over Trump's zero-tolerance immigration policy, remember that, when he was detaining babies and separating from their parents? The House rejected a hard-line immigration bill in June that was backed by the House, and 41 Republicans voted against that. Hmm. That, that was wildly false. Um, so here's the here's what else Trump said. The Democratic Party's vision is to offer illegal immigrants free health care, free welfare, free education, and even the right to vote. You know the sad part about this? There's people that believe this. There's people that believe this. And this is, this is why the Republican Party has left so many of us behind, because that's not a Republican stance. One, it's literally a lie. Um, but, and I hate to use, I find myself using literally all the time. I should stop doing that because it's just a lie. Um, legal immigrants to the United States, so, so permanent residents, refugees and asylees by act of Congress can receive some public benefits and have a pathway to citizenship and the right to vote. But that's law. That's not Democratic Party, man. That's law. And those, those laws were passed by Republicans and Democrats, you know, over the last 50 years. Um, people who are granted asylum, or what we call asylees, refugees, they get SNAP, which is the Supplemental Nutrition Program for their kids. They get Medicaid and SSI, uh, but that's, again, for a very small population of, of refugees and asylees. Not those applying for asylum, but those granted asylum in the United States. They also get TANF uh, uh, from, uh, uh, from Congress. Undocumented immigrants, on the other hand, are not eligible for most public programs and cannot vote. Um, and a 2013 Senate bill that would have overhauled the immigration system, good bill, bipartisan, would have allowed undocumented immigrants who had arrived in the U.S. to apply for green cards. The House never voted on that bill. That passed the Senate by a supermajority. And Mr. Boehner didn't vote on it. 
He was afraid of the Tea Party. Uh, in retrospect, he said that's the worst thing I ever did in Congress. I didn't vote on that bill because that would have passed. We wouldn't. We literally, we wouldn't have Donald Trump as president if Boehner had allowed that vote today, because immigration wouldn't have been an issue. Would have been. It would have been solved. Um, and by the way, Trump's own four pillars for immigration reform included a pathway for green cards and citizenship for Dreamers. Um, next is what he said: "Quote, nobody talks about that under Obama, they separated children from parents." kind of misleading previous presidential administrations did break up families but did so rarely uh by contrast trump has knowingly enacted the practice that some have characterized as the deterrence against illegal entry so if separating your family parents and kids was a deterrence why'd the numbers go up hmm i guess it's not a deterrence after all it's just mean and awful you know, there's still hundreds of kids that didn't reunite with their parents, still, today. Uh, they, some of them don't know who the parents are. Uh, this is awful. This is a terrible, awful thing. Um, Trump also said that uh, um, we spent $1.6 billion on the wall last year, $1.6 billion this year, another $6.1 million. We want to build it at one time. A spending bill by Trump, signed by Trump in March, allotted $1.6 million for projects to replace old barriers along the border with new ones. There is no spending on a border wall. That's just a lie. Um, and in fact, the spending bill he signed in September has no money for the border wall, a fact which he seemed aware of because he criticized that when he signed the bill. Um, so you could tell this is, uh, this is complete nuttiness uh, as, part of, uh, as part of the process and a part of what's what's going on uh, in the Trump campaign. But let's, I mean, how how is immigration affecting this election? I mean, besides Trump lying about it and using it on the stump, how is it affecting the election? I, I, you know, it's weird. I go to a lot of a lot of events, and people say, oh, so what do you do? And I, I know it's going to, as soon as I say this, it's going to, well, I'm an immigration lawyer. And the first thing people say, wow, bet you're busy. Yeah, and depending which party they're from, wow, yeah, that that must be awful. Um, that that would be a Democrat. Oh, that must be awful. I'm so sorry. Republican, wow, you must be making a lot of money. As if that's an issue. You know, uh, a lot of this is blood money, and a lot of immigration lawyers would agree with me. This is not money we want. I mean, the, uh, people living in fear is good for no one. We don't even understand. I don't think as a society. The, the psychological impact that demonizing immigrants has on U.S. citizens, and particularly the children of undocumented immigrants. You had uh, President Trump say last week that he wants to end by executive order the right of individuals born in the United States to undocumented parents of being U.S. citizens. He wants to end that. Now, the good news is, near as I can tell, the president doesn't have any power to overturn the Constitution. Now, that might be true in some of the tin pot dictatorships that Trump loves to love, but it's not true in the United States. You don't get to change the Constitution. And he is referring, of course, to the 14th Amendment, uh, which has in its first clause the statement that all individuals born in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens. 
Now, there are some very ignorant people that are seizing upon the words subject to this jurisdiction thereof to mean, well, if your parents aren't legal, then how are you subject to this jurisdiction thereof? Well, what are you talking about? Are you saying, so the counter-argument to that is, so you're saying that if I'm undocumented, no laws apply to me? So I can commit crimes, I can murder people, and you can't punish me because no laws apply to me. Oh, well, that's different. No, it's not. It's the same. And you see, your logic has no logic to it at all. When you're in the United States and you're born here, you're a U.S. citizen, period, end of story. Uh, let's take a quick break, talk a bit more about this uh, on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, del bufete de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración, llámenos hoy. Conocemos la ley. Sabemos cómo ayudarle. Si hay algo que se puede hacer, nosotros lo podemos hacer. Llámenos a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos por el internet a la www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with E-Verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200, or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos, si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's uh, Web Radio. So I want to talk just a little bit about the craziness uh, that Trump has started by saying that he can literally um, change uh, the ability of people to be U.S. citizens by uh, an executive order. Uh, he's clearly talking to crazy people uh, that come out of the uh, some of the far, far, far fringe parts of the nativist movement uh, in, uh, uh, in immigration. Uh, but he is, uh, well, wow, that was great, wasn't it? That's, that's, that's a call coming in. Uh, so the, the, the 14th Amendment says uh, that if you are born in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, you are a U.S. citizen. What does that mean uh, to be subject to the jurisdiction thereof? Uh, people love to talk about original intent. What was the original intent of the founders? Well, I, I think that's kind of irrelevant. We have words. Words mean what they mean. Uh, subject to jurisdiction thereof meant something very specific, and it still means something very specific. Who is not subject to the laws and jurisdiction of the United States? Do you know? I know. Diplomats. You ever heard of diplomatic immunity? That, that's been around forever. So if you are a diplomat and subject, you are not subject to U.S. laws. Uh, and so if you uh, commit a crime in the U.S., you can say, I'm not subject to the, to the laws. Um, and uh, I, can, um, uh, I can just leave the country. So the 14th Amendment does, in fact, apply um, uh, to diplomats in that they and their children are not U.S. citizens. 
But undocumented immigrants are, in fact, subject to the laws and jurisdiction of U.S. courts in the United States of America, and therefore their children are U.S. citizens. Even an act of Congress could not change that. Now, the U.S. Supreme Court has, in fact, ruled on this issue more than 130 years ago in a, Kim, a case called Kim Wong Ark. Kim Wong Ark was a, uh, uh, born in the United States in California, and his parents were permanent residents of the United States. Uh, this, by the way, is a particular case that allows Barron Trump to be a U.S. citizen. Uh, just keep in mind, his mom was a permanent resident when he was born, and Kim Wong Ark says, okay, Barron, you are a U.S. citizen. Uh, it likely also protects Ivanka and Donnie Jr. and uh, the other adult, Eric. Um, uh, is that like, you know, is that like a difference between those two brothers? It's just really interesting. Very cartoony, by the way. Uh, kind, of, kind of reminds me of Beavis and Butthead. Um, so you've got the situation where Trump says, I can end it, but he can't. Because we know what those words mean. They're very specific. Now, here's the other thing. Congress has, since 1868, enacted a lot of legislation that recognizes that birthright citizenship exists and applies to the children of people who don't necessarily have U.S. citizenship. I mean, how else ultimately would you be a U.S. citizen? If you, Using the logic these people have, well, you're only a U.S. citizen if your parents were U.S. citizens. Okay. And they're only citizens if you're a citizen, if their parents were citizens. And, well, what if they weren't citizens? Oh, well, the logic kind of breaks down, doesn't it? Again, you know, when you have filed the chain back in time, it kind of breaks down. But logic is not a, not a strong point of people that, that advocate for this particular position. And I'll give you an example of some laws passed by Congress that recognize implicitly birthright citizenship. First, in immigration law itself, there is a defense to deportation called cancellation of removal. Now, cancellation of removal was created by Congress in 1996. It said the following. This is, this is created by Newt Gingrich and the, and the Republican-controlled Congress. If you are an undocumented immigrant and you are caught in the United States and you have been here for 10 years already and you're a person of good moral character uh, you, and all you did was just come in illegally, everything else about your life is good, and you have U.S. citizen-born children, children born in the United States, then you can apply for relief from deportation under certain circumstances. Now, how does that implicitly recognize the 14th Amendment? Well, how does an undocumented immigrant have a U.S. citizen child? Because they're born here under the 14th Amendment. So it's quite clear that Congress recognizes birthright citizenship and has for 150 years. I mean, let's not forget the 14th Amendment's 100th anniversary was this year, 1868 is when it, when it, became, when it became part of the Constitution. Uh, so it, there, there is nothing in that that in any way suggests that, undoc that, that people have anything to worry about. Even from this Supreme Court, people say, well, you don't know what this Supreme Court's going to do with Gorsuch and, uh, uh, and Kavanaugh. You know, yeah, okay, they might be a little conservative, but they also respect the Constitution. In fact, the best defense of birthright citizenship written recently uh, was written by a man whom Trump appointed to the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, Judge Hu, H.U., who explained and detailed why birthright citizenship was correct. Because there's a lot of crazy stuff coming out of the, the, the far-right movement like the Heritage Foundation where they, they put all their legal arguments and they look at the statutory record and they, they have the congressional record and people said this, people said that. That's irrelevant. We know what it meant.
Congress has consistently interpreted what it meant, and no president's going to stop it. Although I would love, I mean, I would love if Trump did that because it would ensure his defeat in 2020. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but basically every, every executive order on immigration that Trump has signed has been struck down by the courts at some point or another. Now, the one that, the one that was the third Muslim ban, which was ultimately upheld in a 5-4 decision at the Supreme Court, was upheld because it was very narrowly drawn and probably is okay. It's stupid policy, but really and effectively only applies to people from Iran. The president has that power. He can do that. But it took three tries for them not to create an executive order that wasn't violative of the Constitution, even in the eyes of the Supreme Court of the United States. And every other policy that he's put into place has been struck down or stopped or delayed by the courts. Now, uh, this is why, of course, they're focusing on getting people on the courts that might not agree with that. But a lot of Republican judges have, in fact, found against Trump on these issues because they, they have visions of turning America into some bizarre white fortress. And that's not the America we live in, nor the America we need. Because America is not a color. America is an idea. Uh, America is a vision. America is a hope that is colorblind and, and ignorant of religion. Uh, it, it, not in the context of ignoring religion, but it doesn't care what religion you are. We invite people of all religions to come here and celebrate their faith and exercise it. And we will protect that ability to do that. And when you begin to target people like Trump has based upon their faith or based upon the color of their skin, you lose that vision. You lose that hope. You, you lose that ability to put America on a hill. One of the greatest all-time speeches was that of Ronald Reagan talking about America as a city on a hill. We don't want to be the city in the valley. We don't want to be the village uh, uh, that has the village idiot walking around that brings us all down to their level. We want to keep the vision that Ronald Reagan had for America, uh, which is why I proudly vote for Stacey Abrams today, because I think she understands that vision and she shares that vision. And, yes, yeah, she's a little more progressive than Ronald Reagan might have been. But I can tell you, Ronald Reagan is no Donald Trump. And all I can say for that is thank God. Um, so as Trump pushes this legislative anti-immigrant agenda forward, uh, as, he, as he tries to inculcate um, immigration as a, an immigrants as the blame of what uh, should be going on here, as people that we can – sacrifice on the altar of, uh, of uh, American greatness. I think people are rising up and saying, wait a second, I know immigrants. They're good people. They work for me. They, they, they help me make money. I help them make money. Um, and it's, uh, it's bizarro to me uh, that, uh, that people like Trump think that immigration is a winning issue. Now, I know he ran on it in 2016, but, and I think the Democrats did a terrible job calling it out. But I think, there's, I think people are much more educated today about what's going on. I think the courts have done a great job of waking people up to what's going on. And I think people feel that democracy is sliding away from them, that tolerance is sliding away from them, uh, that, we are, that we have lost, to a certain extent, uh, our position in the world, and that's because of the policies supported by Trump and by those that support Trump, which is why you saw somebody like uh, Captain Sullenberger, the hero of, on the Hudson, 
a lifelong Republican, come out and say, do not vote for any Republican that supports Donald Trump because he is taking our country away. Um, that, is, uh, that is why uh, we have to take a stand today. It's Election Day. I get it. Uh, many of you will listen to this after Election Day be thinking, well, Chunk, you got that one wrong uh, or you got that one right. I won't know until tomorrow. And David knows I have a, I'm terrible at predicting elections. Terrible at predicting elections. I, I guaranteed Hillary would win. Um, but I, I believe there's a greater movement going on here. And, and, and I will wake up tomorrow regardless of wins and I will move forward and I will hold the administration accountable and I will represent my clients to the, to the best abilities I have to ensure their right under the Constitution, under the law, to take full advantage of the immigration laws that exist. But if the Democrats do win this election tomorrow and get control of the House, I will demand that they are held accountable, uh, that they propose legislation, that they vote on legislation, that they bring forth bills that can solve the immigration problem, to take it off the table. And that's been the problem with both parties, is they leave this on the table because it generates votes for both of them. That's not going to last much longer, certainly on the Dems. This literally may, I use that word again, this may be the last chance the Democrats have to use immigration to support their election. Because if they don't actively move forward on a number of bills that will fix our immigration system, regardless of whether the Senate passes it, I mean, they need to get bills on the floor and voted on, and then let the Republicans be the people that block good legislation that's bipartisan. Work Republicans in the House. There's plenty of Republicans in the House that will vote for a good immigration bill because they understand what's going on here. Get that on the floor. Vote it. And let's hold Democrats accountable if they're fortunate enough to actually win this election today. Um, let's all pray for America. Uh, let's pray that we have uh, that, our, that our Republican doors... Uh, that uh, that our children enjoy the same rights that we do. I put on Facebook today that I voted for Stacey Abrams because of my five granddaughters. Uh, and I did. Because I see in them the future of America. And I see in Stacey here in Georgia and in other candidates around the country the future for my granddaughters and the kind of future I want them to have in a country that respects and loves and admires them as much as I do. This is your host, Charles Cook, on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. We'll see you in a couple weeks. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley. Y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net Soy Charles Cook, del bufete de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración, llámenos hoy. Conocemos la ley. Sabemos cómo ayudarle. Si hay algo que se puede hacer, nosotros lo podemos hacer. Llámenos a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos por el internet a la www.immigration.net. Obamacare is failing, but in order to get back on the right track with health policy, people need to be informed. 
ObamacareWatch.org is your resource to understand what's happening with this law and what you can do to stay active, stay informed, and make positive change happen. ObamacareWatch.org. Visit us now. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around Town Movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that 